Welcome to the Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Break away for nonstop chill. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Feeling the urge to check someone into the boards? Let's do that hot. Here's your host, Brian Hanley and Pat Boyle. Here we go on the Hockey Show. Presented by Coors Light, break away from the nonstop chill. With Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. How are you doing this morning, Brian? I'm doing great, Patrick. How are you? I'm okay. It's it's April. It feels it's starting to feel like NHL playoff weather. You know, this is all all those years we'd make our way to the United Center. The ice is uh, is gone. it's sunny. It, it's crisp. You know, you'll get you'll get your nice sixty-three degree day every once in a while. Uh, but it's it's starting to feel like the playoffs, and the Blackhawks are in the thick of the Central Division race for that four seed. Again, they have a huge, huge game this afternoon against Nashville, the team they're tied with in the standings. Both have thirty-nine points, but Nashville is in the four seed because they have two more. A regulation win. So this is uh, these are four point games when you're taking on the teams that you're vying for to uh, to get that four seed. Yeah, and Nashville is a team that's obviously starting to hit its stride. I think they won what seven of their last ten, and the Hawks not so much. Now we've talked about the schedule being much friendlier to them as they move forward here. But as you said, this is a huge game if you aspire to be a playoff team. And I guess the larger discussion now that the Hawks have come back to earth quite a bit is any playoff experience, good playoff experience, or in the big, bigger picture, do, would you rather have them get a better draft position to build upon? Because obviously they need a lot of help, and they need a lot of help offensively in particular. Well, look, if they can get into the playoffs, that experience is invaluable. I thought it was important for this team uh, to get to – the Edmonton bubble last year beat the Oilers, get into that series against Vegas and kind of see the gap between where they were at and what the upper echelon teams were. Now, Vegas didn't go that much further uh, in the playoffs. But, you know, I, I think right now, for all intents and purposes, 18 games to go. This is the playoffs. These are teams that you're you're taking on eight times over, uh, you know, three, three and a half months or so. Uh, you're all vying now for like eight of their next, I think it's eight of their next 10 games are against teams that are in this, this four team race for the four seed. So they're kind of getting playoff experience now, so to speak. And, and I, I think there was, we learned something once again about this team on this three and three homestand that they just finished up. You know, the, they get outchanced, they get outshot, and, you know, sometimes they won those games early in the season because of special teams, or Lincoln was just absolutely uh, impenetrable because he was just on top of his game. And and, and so you, you won those games that maybe you didn't deserve to win necessarily, and this is sort of maybe market correction or the hockey guys kind of coming back uh, to, to you and, and, and things just kind of evening out. How, how did you see what you saw over that six-game homestand? 
Well, I saw a lot of what you just we've been talking about here on the show for weeks, and you just mentioned and alluded to that that formula we've talked about special teams play and, and great play, uh, great goaltending from Lincoln in is terrific when you get it, and you're getting it quite a bit of it, but it was not a recipe that would sustain itself. And this team five on five continues to be at the bottom or near the bottom of the NHL rankings. And I know Emily Kaplan pointed out in her power rankings that in expected goals for five on five, the Hawks are 31st in the league and you just, you can't get it done. I mean, when every shift, the margin of error is so um, thin, uh, this team, this Hawks team is allowing the most shots per game on average and only five teams have fewer shots per game on average than the Chicago Blackhawks. So majority of the game is going to be five on five. And when you're giving up as many shots as you're giving up, you're going to have many more goals to try to defend. And when you're not generating near as many as most of the teams in the league, you you better hope that a lot of those go in. There was a theme to uh, poor first periods In, in five of the six games. They pretty much were outplayed in the first 20 minutes. They usually would climb back into the game. And then most of those games were decided by one goal. But in the first two periods, in, in the last two-game series against Carolina, listen to these numbers. Hurricanes let in shots on goal 26-8. to eight. Scoring chances is what Jeremy Colleton and the Hawks really look at. Scoring chances in those two first periods, 23-5 in favor of Carolina. Ouch. And high-danger chances, 15-1. to one. That's about as, as one-sided <laughs> as, as you're going to see. And, uh, and here's Colleton on on why things are, are not going well in the first period and, and what they need to do to get out of this funk. We got to do a better job of, of breaking pressure and uh, finding a way to hold possession and uh, generate some offensive zone time. When, when we've been good, whatever period it is, uh, when, when we've been good, we, that's what we're doing. So, uh, you know, we'll continue to work on it. We, I mean... We we know we got to get better. We got to keep improving. Uh, it'll be back at her tomorrow. I mean, I feel bad. We, we he's literally been talking about poor starts now for two weeks. Yeah, and it's like it's a, do you know what it is? What do you think? How are they going to get out of it? It's like it's the same. It's like you know, it's Groundhog Day. It's yeah. just uh, it's maddening. I mean, and it's frustrating, especially if you're the coach of this team. But when you have such a young team. Um, it, it can't be want to, right? I mean, it's just skill. Yeah, it's just talent I, at this yeah, point. I, I, you know, it's 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 probably not having a ton of experience, and when you're going up against a team that is absolutely coming at you and is probably better than you, uh, how do you manage that? Because as the games wear on, the Hawks usually fare well. It's just that that first twenty minutes. But, you know, as we saw a couple, you know, in the last during this last homestand, you could be down two zip at that point. And, yep. and, and they were down two zip on Thursday. They claw back to make it 2-2. Then they're down a goal twice in the third period. They climb back out of that deficit. And you're sitting there thinking, all right, they've got at least a point. I mean, they had an opportunity with 41 seconds to potentially score the game-winning goal and they don't even get a point. I mean, that is crushing. Here's Colleton on the heartbreaker the other night. A point would have been good, for sure. You know, I mean, we had we had a great chance. We had an offensive zone faceoff. Um, you know, sets up pretty well. So uh, tough. 
especially because we we battled back a couple times earlier, put ourselves in that position. So uh, we got to. I think we've been a resilient team all year. We got to be. We got to show our, our colors uh, going into Saturday. Big game this afternoon, two o'clock in Nashville. Team that beat them, and, and the, those two games last weekend were the Saturday and Sunday. I was. Uh, I was really disappointed with how the Hawks played on Sunday. I thought the their performance Saturday just wasn't it, it. It wasn't the work ethic, the relentlessness, the things that that Jeremy preaches. I just thought it was an off game. So I thought Sunday they were going to bring it more of the same, and it was more of the same. Yeah, and, and that's disappointing because we were you know celebrating the fact that you know Patrick Kane was buying into Jeremy Carlton and you know, working hard and all the. All the stuff that every coach talks about, you know, playing for your teammates, but bringing it every shift. And, you know, as much as Debrinket said, we're not going to outskill teams any night for the most part. We have to do this. And then they don't do it. And they don't do it in back to back games, just said against an important uh, an opponent. And so, but the good news is we have a Twitter poll today um, asking the question you start the show with is, you know, which, which of these four teams are going to, will emerge as that playoff team for the final spot in the division. And the optimism of Hawks fans is apparent in the early returns, and you can go to Twitter and uh, and vote on that. Um, I would like to know from Hawks fans why they are optimistic that the Hawks will be the team that hangs on to that playoff spot. And maybe they could uh, give us a call, 312-332-3776, and let us know what is it from the last half dozen games or so that still makes you a believer that this is a postseason team. You can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. Again, the poll question, who will end up being the four seed in the Central Division? The team they're playing today, the Predators, the Hawks, Columbus, or the Dallas Stars. And again, the Dallas Stars have played four less games than the Blackhawks have, and they're five points back. Go to uh, Twitter, vote on that. 312-332-3776. Um, some uh, news that came out yesterday Brandon Hagel is in COVID protocol. So the one player that you that Jeremy Carlton kind of you would say is the poster child for uh, the relentlessness, the work ethic, uh, uh, getting out there, and if if you're not uh, producing a goal in the shift, setting up the next line uh, to to have a positive shift, that would be Brandon Hagel. And yeah, he's the motor, right? I he mean, really it, is. He's he's, yeah. he's kind of the engine that that drives this thing. And, uh, you know, it sounds like, uh, well, I'm not going to get into speculation. He's yeah, we co- don't know. We don't know if he's actually tested positive or he's been in contact with somebody who may have. So he's in protocol and we don't know what that means in terms of time right now. But we do know they made a move yesterday to to replace him, right? Right. They fill they, spot anyway. You don't replace him necessarily. They uh, reacquired Vinny Hinestroza, Bartlett's own uh Good uh, Chicago family, the Hinnestroses. So Vinny is back. Happy birthday. It's his birthday. It's his guys. birthday. I did Happy not. Happy birthday, Vinny. Happy birthday, Vinny. 27. Is he? Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if Vinny's going to be uh, able to play in Nashville. I don't know what, what he's going to have to go through as far as uh, COVID-19 protocol to, you know, get set up with the Blackhawks. But it, it, how about the... The pattern of reacquiring <laughs> former Blackhawks. I mean, it, 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 it's 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 kind of comical, isn't it? 
How long is that list? Is it as long well, as the list of Bears quarterback changes in the last it, 20 years? It, it, it rivals it, Brian. It really does. So <laughs> since Stan uh, became general manager, these are the Blackhawks he's required over the years. So uh, Hinnestrosa yesterday. Uh, you had Brian Soupy Campbell. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Carbomb, Daniel Carcillo, Adam Clendenning, Nikolai Habibulin, Marcus Kruger, Andrew Ladd, Jeremy Morin, Johnny Oduya, Brandon Peary, Brandon Saad, Patrick Sharp, Andrew Shaw, and Christopher Steeg. A couple of times. <laughs> a couple of yeah. times. Yeah. So, just I for mean, fun. when you get traded from the Blackhawks, you know, just, just put your, put your stuff in a rental unit or <laughs> hold on to your jersey because there's a good chance you're coming back. There's a real you, good chance. Can we, can we put Panarin on that list sometime? That, that he, would be one I would like to see them, yeah. Hey, which means Brad Morrison, at, at the tender young age of 24, who was dealt for Hinnestroza, uh, right. he's restricted at the end of the season. Yeah. Can he come back to the Ice Hogs? Or, I, you, know, I, I, you know, we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, hard, we hardly knew him. No, um, I was, I was uh, waiting for the podcast we were going to do with him. <laughs> Working on it. Club? That's an exclusive. That There's yeah. a long line there that, that's trying to get to him before he exits stage right. <laughs> uh, so coming up a little bit later on in the show, Scotty Powers does a great job with The Athletic. Uh, he'll join us at the bottom of the hour. We're going to uh, get into some... Uh, Olympic talk on the other side. A big honor was uh, bestowed to the general manager and president of hockey operations, Stan Bowman. We'll tell you about that. We have one-timers coming up. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Murphy along wrist shot. Tip the score! What a redirect Dylan Stone has goals in back-to-back games, and the Blackhawks have drawn even once more. Pat, Pat Foley on NBC Sports Chicago. How about the new, the new dad, Dylan Strome? Uh has his uh he and his girlfriend had their, their first child last Sunday, baby girl. And uh, Wesley is her name, and he scores goals in back-to-back games since returning. It's, it's odd how that every once in a while works out. Patrick Sharp had the same thing. Goals after both of his daughters were born. Hmm. I don't know why that, you know, it strikes my fancy, but it's interesting. <laughs> because you're on adrenaline, you haven't slept in a few days? Well, know. yeah, there's that. Yeah. There's that. Um, so, yeah, Dylan Strome and the Hawks back at it against Nashville. They're 0-2-2 against the Preds this year. You actually, the Preds have been a, a tough team for the Hawks going for back years. to 2016. Yeah. When they were eliminated in the first round against them. Uh, here's Jeremy Cullen. Eight of the next 10 games are all against these teams vying for the four seed. So it's Columbus, Nashville, uh, Dallas, and the Predators. And so here's Colleton on playing the contenders here over the next few weeks. I mean, we've earned the right to play in these types of games uh, with with how hard we worked uh, all year, and we just we gotta 
we got to use the the cliche here. Um, one game at a time. You know, we got to have a short memory on this one, uh, and and prepare to to be really good on Saturday. Uh, in you know, embrace the challenge of playing in these types of games and uh, put our best foot forward. Who is going to end up being the four seed in the Central Division? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. That's our poll question up right now. ESPN Hockey Show on Twitter. Early returns, shockingly, have uh, the Hawks in front at uh, 68%. But to today's opponent, the Predators, coming in uh, at 20%, number two. Uh, so you take a look at this upcoming stretch. Do you think that this is going to be uh, nip and tuck, Brian, the entire way till the first week in May? Or, or, or do you think someone is... is Got to have some separation here. Because, like, the Predators have won 8 of 10 to climb back in this thing. Two weeks ago, they were left for dead. They were going to be a seller at the April 12th trade deadline. All of a sudden, they they might be a buyer. Yeah, I think they will be a buyer. And I actually cast my vote for Nashville just because they're the ascending team. And, and so that gives the front office much more to think about. And I love watching the Hawks and, and I love watching compete. And, but the problem is, as we've been talking about, they don't compete for 60 minutes. Right. And that, that is going to, I don't care how soft the schedule gets um, that that's going to be an issue moving forward. It's an issue in the last three weeks or a month here. Um, Columbus is just, who knows? I mean, you know, the Tortorella's out, he's in, he's the guy to get this regroup. I just don't think the blue jackets are going to, they've got so much going on on and off the ice that I, I just don't, put much stock in in the remaining the balance of the uh, season for them so to me it's almost you know dallas has the most games to make up um you know i think they probably have the most talent but right now i, I would cast my vote for the predators yeah and it's again it's a team that the hawks have, have struggled against this year didn't look good against them last week they kind of muck up that neutral zone uh they look f- to capitalize on your mistakes and uh, so far, it, it's worked out for them against the Hawks in the four meetings. So they'll meet them four more times. Again, this afternoon is a big one, 2 o'clock face-off in that one. Another thing we've talked about on this show is the Hart Trophy race. And you'll, you'll recall we had uh, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada on a few weeks ago. And at that point, Connor McDavid had a healthy lead on Patrick Kane, as he does now. Uh, at the time, I think he was up 10 or 12 points. But even the, you know, one of the lead studio analysts of Hockey Night in Canada, when they're all they're looking at are, is that North Division and all those Canadian teams, he had Kane ahead of McDavid in his voting because Kane's lack of supporting cast, where McDavid's playing with last year's MVP, Leon Dreisaitl, you know, Kane is, is out there with Pew Suter. Uh, of course, Alex DeBrinkett is having a fantastic season. Uh, don't want to shortchange what Alex has brought to the table, but it's been a revolving door at center. We may see Kirby Doc center the Kane line uh, this afternoon in Nashville, so we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, this week, Patrick Kane was asked about the Hart Trophy race, and uh, he made no bones about who he thought was going to win the MVP. I don't think anyone's going to really touch McDavid this year. He's just like, you know, head and shoulders, the the best player in the league, and their team's having a good year. So, um, But I think, you know, at the same time, it's kind of nice to hear those type of things, and usually it means your team's in a good position, um, you know, throughout the year as well. So 
um, you know, obviously for me, uh, don't really think about it too much. Just try and help the team win. But um, that's the big thing here is we want to keep winning games and, uh, and trying to get in the playoffs. And, you know, usually if you get your team into the playoffs, you have a, a better chance of, you know, being nominated. Brian, what did you make of uh, Patrick Kane basically conceding and, uh, and uh, you know, realizing that uh, Connor McDavid just having one of those special type of years? I mean, he may end up with, with 100 points in 56 yeah. games, which yeah, is insane. Yeah, I mean, it, when he, he won it in 2016-17, he had 100 points and 30 goals, so he's got 64 yeah, 80, points. in an 82-game season. Yeah, right, and played all 82. And yeah. So, you, you know, at some point, and, and as much as we would celebrate Patrick Kane and, and you know, rightfully so being in that conversation, but at some point the numbers are the numbers, and Dreisaitl has got 56 points and 19 goals, right, to, to right. Patrick's 49-13. At some point the, the, the points do come into play, and – when it becomes that lopsided and becomes an every night occurrence for Conor McDavid, uh, it's very difficult to make the intangible uh, argument and, and, you know, who the, the supporting cast argument for Patrick. So, you know, God bless him. And in the next breath, Patrick said his goals are the same to try to make the team better and get him in the playoffs and, and do what he's self selflessly been doing and admitting that, you know, that he's hit a little bit of a, a dip here and needs to, to get better for this team to, to make you know, grab hold of that fourth and final spot. Let's get to one timers. One timers. One timers. One timer by Alfredson. He scores on the hockey show. One time shot. Score! On ESPN One Thousand. All right, Brian, lead us off in one timers this, this morning. Well, uh, Mia Copa, I, I really thought there'd be uh, much more trade activity well before the, the April 12th trade deadline, given the COVID protocols, and especially uh, with those teams north of the border. I mean, if you need, if you're going to make a deal, you have to put them in quarantine for a couple of weeks. So I would think that you would make that deal closer to the beginning of April than the trade deadline. Um, because you would have that player sideline or player sideline while while you were going about your business hasn't really happened, and um, I I don't know that it's going to be a very active trade deadline right now, uh, given maybe the the salary cap situations and and the lack of revenue. Uh, seems like a lot of teams are going to let this season play out the way it plays out, and they're going to you know revisit their uh, revenues and everything after they figure out what next season looks like. So, you know, short of Buffalo, you can take your pick of, <laughs> of the Sabres. I mean, that's unbelievable when, when the the GM comes out two weeks ago and says it's not acceptable. And, and meanwhile, <laughs> they're sitting there with their seven wins. Um, I don't know that you want to pick, pick on that carcass, but it, I was surprised. I thought by now there'd be uh, more substantial trades or any substantial trade at this point. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I, I don't think we're, uh, we're, we're calling the uh, Vinny Henestrosa, trade a, a, a big ac acquisition here so no i'm i'm kind of with you on this one uh it, i think it will pick up a bit i don't think it'll be the way it usually is at the nhl trade deadline now they did change in the last week the canadian government modified um the quarantine situation so you're going to be it, it's down to a week for the nhl player that gets acquired and, and let's say they're playing you know stateside and one of the Canadian teams acquire him. They won't have to sit out two weeks, but they will have to sit out one. Um, and I, I, I think there's so many teams. Like, if you look at the Central Division, 
Yeah. Everybody's in it except Detroit. So if you're Dallas, Columbus, Nashville, or the Blackhawks, you're sitting there going, all right, do I wave the white flag right now and, 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 and try to acquire draft assets in a draft that is going to be unlike any other draft we've ever had where the pool, the class, is barely playing. You know, if they played college, they played a modified schedule. If they played in the OHL, they haven't even started yet. If they start, if they played in the WHL, they they're two weeks or whatever. They're a month into their season. Yeah, it I mean, hurts your scouting, your ability yes. to take a look and know what you're looking at. So there, there's so many discrepancies with the evaluation process that acquiring draft asset. I mean, I draft pick this year. I don't think is is worth as much as it has been in years past. I do think the Hawks, with all that cap space they have, I do think you're going to see them as the third team in a big deal. To facilitate. To facilitate yeah. and, and absorb uh, you know, a, a, a contract and get draft equity for absorbing some of that contract. But we'll, we'll see on that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to get to in one-timers was uh, Stan Bowman being named to... Uh, the U.S. Olympic team as their general manager for the 2022 games in Beijing. So he's going to be the architect for uh, Team USA. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think there's a really good chance that Patrick Kane is is the captain of that team. If you look at at the players that are that are on that list, uh, you know, he, the obvious he's the most statesman. decorated. Yeah. yeah. And, and so and to bring it would be on that roster. right? So it's funny you should say that. Uh, Pierre Lebrun, uh, Burnside, and Custance of uh, the Athletic all put together uh, mock U.S. Olympic teams. None of them had to brink it, even in their like first four out. Wow, they, he wasn't a part of it. Now I huh. think they probably did this. I'm gonna guess, uh, you know, a month ago, and everything was kind of being based on last year's stats and maybe a little bit to this year. And I, I think it just goes to show you what the disappointing 18-goal season that Alex had last year, kind of how, how it maybe soured the uh, the national scope on him a bit. But are you, I, are you a fan of the Olympics? Are you a fan of suspending the season for a couple of weeks? And- I, I am, because I like to see the game uh, grow. And, 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 and ultimately... The players want to do like when I when I talk to Patrick Kane, he wants to represent his country. Hey, I I went back to the first time in Nagano. I was covering the team, and you know that the players loved the idea. Um, Bill Wirtz didn't care for it, but mm-hmm. I, I just it's the only it's the only sport that says basically our product can be put on hold to to grow it in the bigger picture. I mean, is there a, a hockey Yao Ming out there that's going to come over here and start skating circles around? Or is it just selling merchandise in China? I mean, well, I yeah, I mean, okay, the games are in Beijing. Uh, I, I see where you're going there. But let's let's go to the Dream Team. Do you think the NBA would be a, a global entity as big as it is now if NBA stars were not allowed to play in the Olympics? Um. Yes, uh, maybe not as big, but it's it's a it's an international type sport where it is being played in European countries, and we see those stars coming over here and be, you know being going right to the top of of the league in terms of MVP and all. So I, I just 
Yeah, I think it would be, maybe not as big. I just don't know that the game translates as much. Um, I mean, if we're talking China specifically or just globally, um, yeah. I think basketball is a different animal. Yeah, so, see, I'm not saying so much the, the host country or whatever city they're playing in. I don't, I, I'm looking at it that it's that that game is being broadcast in 400 countries or 300 mm-hmm. countries and what it does to to the game and to people who have never seen Patrick Kane before and they're going to watch him or TJ Oshie or Austin Matthews or whoever Connor McDavid for Team Canada like I absolutely think the Olympics for three weeks there's a, there's a reason why NBC spends billions on it it it, it you know they they market all their their shows for you know the, the upcoming fall season during that window in late July and early August. Here's Patrick Kane on the uh, the thought of playing in his third Olympics. It would be a great honor and a great opportunity to play for your country. And um, obviously, um, I think we could put a, a pretty good team together to uh, to compete with some of the better countries and. Um, I think we were close in 2010. You know, we had a really good team in 2014. Uh, um, just kind of lost that semifinal game, one nothing. And um, it's tough when you lose that game to play the bronze medal game the next day. And uh, um, obviously, it would have been nice to win bronze, but I think we were going there to win gold. And that obviously didn't happen. So it'd be nice to get another another crack at it. And um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about the 1960 and 1980 teams and um, you know, here we are, uh, 40 plus years later and we're still talking about those teams. Uh, so to be able to do that for the country and USA hockey and to have the opportunity would be amazing as well. Uh, sounds to me like Kane wants another bite at the apple there. He, he, he's not let go. 2010 was some of the greatest hockey theater, uh, I I've seen in the last two decades. I mean, it is that, that, that gold medal game between Canada and the U S was, Something to Terrific. behold. Yeah. I, and I will say this. The the one real sil- silver lining, if it proves to, to be true, is that, I mean, Stan should really get an inside look at the, the best players in America, right? They're yeah. in the NHL. And so when this team is ready to, to compete for cups again, he should know these players inside out. I mean, not just from scouting, but, but from living, li- literally <laughs> living with them, right? I mean, yeah. He should know which guys fit the final pieces of that puzzle, whenever that may be. But I'm still not a fan of suspending the season for three weeks. You know, we're not in the Cold War anymore. Right. We don't. You know, there's no. We're not. We're not trying to prove. You know, democracy and America greatness. American greatness over Soviet countries or whatever. I I just. I, I. To me, it's. I don't. There's no. You know, there was talk about putting in the summer, right? Having having the Winter Olympics, right? Uh, so that you didn't have, have to disrupt right. the NHL season, right? Have hockey played in in you know the Summer Olympics or whatever. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I've never been a, a guy who fully embraced the idea of suspending your season and basically, especially coming off these past couple of seasons where you, you you didn't have a full season now, and so it just it, maybe the timing isn't even. Uh, even more so, the timing's not right. Give us a call. Do you think uh, the NHL should participate in the Olympics? 312-332-3776. On the other side, the athletic Scott Powers joins the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill. 
The Hockey Show. Presented by Coors Light. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the new ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle. We're presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. Say hi to those uh, watching and listening to the show on Twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Uh, It's our pleasure to welcome in one of the great beat writers for the Blackhawks with The Athletic. He's Scott Powers. Scott, how are you doing this morning? Good. How are you guys doing? Good morning. We're doing all right. You know, we got in a conversation uh, about the Olympics just before the break. Uh, curious your thoughts on it. Um, I-, I like the NHL playing in the Olympics. I think it grows the sport. And and when we're in the room talking to those guys, or when we used to do that, uh, and-, and somebody like Patrick Kane talks about the experience, he seems all in. He seems like the other day on the Zoom, he he's still bitter about losing, you know, in 2014. So uh, your thoughts on the NHL participating uh, in, in the Winter Olympics? Yeah, I think it's smart for the league from a, you know, just a financial perspective. I mean, you definitely are going to reach new fans. And it's, uh, I mean, it's a peak, you know, it's peak hockey, especially when you get Canada, U.S. or Russia. I mean, there's elite teams together. And it's an opportunity for these guys to represent their countries and play in uh, playing those games, we just we, we rarely get to see that anymore. And um, even at the World Cup, I mean, you had so many young North American players playing for that North American team that um, it'd be fun to see Matthews and um, you know McDavid and all those guys playing for you know Canada and the U.S. and having them go up against each other. And uh, you know certainly for the U.S., you know they feel like they have a deep talent pool with some of the young kids that have come up their way. And Canada is what it is, and Russia certainly, and Sweden and. Um, yeah, I just I think it's an opportunity for those guys to play games that are really meaningful to them. So I think it's important to them, but also for the league, like it just it's just smart from a financial sense. I mean, you you are definitely reaching different uh, markets that you, you normally don't reach, and you definitely even within the U.S. and countries that are familiar with the sport, I, I think you have people tuning in that don't normally watch hockey because there is that national pride and, and certainly more curious like curious about it. So I, I think it makes sense in, in multiple levels. Speaking of mean, meaningful games, Scott, uh, Pat and I were talking about uh, the schedule and how meaningful today's game is and moving forward when you're clinging and, and tied for that fourth spot trying to be a playoff team. I guess the bigger question is what do you make of this Blackhawks team now that that can't generate offense, allows other teams to generate too much offense, and you know, moving forward in this season, I, I guess – if you were to grade this season out right now, is it still what more than what you expected this team to be? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I, I thought this team, and I, and I think even within the organization, they thought they were, you know, team destined for a, a lottery pick and you know, a top five draft pick, and that this season was going to be more lumps um, than anything else. I, I think, I think, regardless of how the season plays out, even if they don't make the playoffs, like the they've played beyond anyone's expectations. It's just, um, and they found a lot of players. And I, I think the the focus still has to be on what the Blackhawks can be in the futures. Cause even if they do squeak in, I, and I think they're going to get bounced in the first round and, and certainly that playoff experience could be, um, you know, positive for the young players. But I, I think it's, you know, it's them being able to find the suitors and the Kershevs and the Hagels and 
um, you know, being able to give this time, and especially Lincoln, and I, I think Lincoln is the one that they really needed to find. But um, you know, just being able to give this time those young players, and uh, they're certainly overmatched against you know the Lightning and Carolina, and um, you know even the Panther when they're when the Panthers when they're healthy. I, I think that's clear that they're not at that level, but. Um, you know, they're seeing what it takes to take, you know, be at the level they're playing in important games. They're not always pretty, um, but they're staying competitive. And, and I, I think, um, you know, what happens in the end is is the development aspect is, is so key still. Like it's uh, win or lose, it's as long as getting those guys on the ice. And if they can, you know, if they can come out like Kirby Doc did last year in any way, um, that, that's huge for the future for the coming years where I think that's where the real expectations are. He's Scott Powers from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at ByScottPowers. So with that being said, do you think they're going to get that four seed in in the Central, or, or do you think that uh, either Nashville, Dallas, or Columbus will beat them out? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I feel like it's just a crapshoot between all four of those teams. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's really Nashville's playing. Well, they're playing better. Um, you know, on, on paper, they're probably better than Blackhawks. Um you know, I, I thought I thought the Blackhawks were going to really struggle against Carolina, and, and they did at times. But they, I mean, they they nearly found a way to get those points. Um, so like, I I, I I don't know. I, I don't know how to really to judge what's going to happen. I, I feel like they're they these games are all going to be meaningful, and uh, on a given day, any one of those teams would can win. I mean, the Blackhawks have proven, uh, I think, against all those teams for the most part that they've done okay. So. Um, you know, if Lincoln in plays like he does, it seems like he gives them a chance most games. And, you know, if Dabrinkit's scoring and Kubalik, and, you know, like they, they certainly need their stars to be stars. Um, I, I don't think it's absolute that they're not going to make it, but it's certainly not absolute they are. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's it, it's going to be interesting. And, um, you know, I think for the Blackhawks, they haven't played a lot of meaningful games this, this late in the season. So I, I think there are a lot of, um, I, I get a lot of upsides to that, but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't in it, but I also you know, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they were in it too. Have you changed your timeline in terms of what, you know, how long this rebuild would take to, to be back to be an upper echelon team? I, th- I think what's important is one, they they found the goalie and that was, you know, if, if none of these guys worked out this year, I, I think that was going to be a big question mark and how do you address that and, and whether, you know, free agency or trade. So I, I think, you know, with that, and, and, and not that they found stars, but I found they, I think they found a lot of role players that, that, you know, they may have had to go look on the, you know, the market for too. Not the fact that you can have Kershev and Hagel and Shooter plugged in, in in top nine spots. It just it allows them a little bit more flexibility cap wise to maybe address some of those uh, address some of those holes. I, I think you know I don't know if it's been talked about a whole lot, but I think Lucas Reichel, their their first round pick from this past year, has really taken a massive step in Germany and. Um, I, I think he plays a Brandon Hagel style game with a lot more skill, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the lineup next year. They, they certainly need more skilled players because I, I think that's where the difference still is, and um, uh, you know between them and the Carolinas of the world. So I, I think that's a big key, um, and, and you know there's a Taves question mark too. So I think that's a big part of this too is that where where does he fit in? Because you do need another top set top six center. Suter's been nice, but. Um, you know, he, he certainly, uh, I, I think if you add a Taves-like player and, you know, even, you know, having Doc back is huge now, but you need some more depth at center, those elite centers. So um, overall, yeah, I think they're in a lot better spot than they thought at the beginning of the season. They, they certainly have some needs, and I think there's some question marks defensively, and they need some of these young kids to, to come along. Um, but I, I think they're in a better spot. You know, I, they're certainly not, I, you know, it's not like it's a given in the next few years they're a Stanley Cup contender again, but 
I, I think they've uh, yeah they've moved along further than on the needle than they probably expected to at this point. You said questions on the back end. I, I want to ask you about Adam Boquist. You know, we all see the offensive upside that he brings, but then we also see the defensive lapses that that occur when he's on the ice. Or, or quite honestly, Scott, you know, when we talk about Hagel and relentless and high motor and energy. I don't see that from Adam Boquist all the time. Like, I, 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 I'm curious, how do you assess what you have seen from, from Adam Boquist, the eighth overall selection a few years ago? Sorry, my three year old's having a little Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to. I mean, he's not that type of player. He's not, he's not going to probably ever um, satisfy you how aggressive he is. Um, you know, from from two years ago, what three years ago when I went to see him in London, I I, I, I thought I, I thought I honestly didn't know that he was going to make it defensively in the NHL ever. Um, you know, there there were so many just defensive breakdowns and awareness, and I, I've seen a kid who's really advanced in that way. Like I see him making reads and sometimes covering for for other defensemen. Um, yeah, I don't. You know, it, it certainly has to come a long way and. The fact that he's producing a little bit more offense probably makes it a little bit easier because before it's like, well, you know, he's struggling defensively, but he's not producing anything offensively. So um, I, I think, I don't know. The other part, just, it seems like he's still, I think he's the second youngest defenseman in the NHL, so maybe it's it's giving him a little bit more time. I, I think he's he's advanced. Um, there's still more growing to come. But uh, of the young defensemen, I, I think he has the most upside at this point. Like, I, I've, I've seen I've, I've seen Mitchell and, and Bodan, all these guys struggle so far, and, um, I think Boquist is, is probably ahead of them, you know, and Kalanick even, like I know that Colleton's been happy with him, but the metrics are really, really bad lately too. But with, with, with Kalanick, like he's on the ice for a lot of scoring chances for, and he's still getting his feet wet. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I've come around on, uh, on Boquist a little bit more than some others where, uh, you know, two, three years ago, I honestly didn't know Boquist was an NHL player, especially defensively. And I, I see him making, making gains and, and now that they've upped his ice time, it certainly makes him a little bit more of a liability, and, and there's there's more growth being made. But um, I, I tend to think that there's more optimism around Boquist than there was probably been a few years ago, where I think he has a chance to be a to be a decent player. When the uh, Hawks were winning, it was Lankin in power in power plays and penalty kills. Um, the special teams have really come back to earth. I mean, the power play was converting 36 percent, now it's 26 and change, and PK is down to 74. I guess my question, Scott, is when you look at those units in particular, is what we've seen of late closer to the truth, or were they, yeah, were they just kind of playing out of their heads when they were converting on both units in the power play? Yeah, no, I, I think I think so. I mean, if you talk to analytics, I mean, everyone expected the Blackhawks to fall off like this. When you look at, um, you know, you, you look at all the analytics, the numbers, you know, underneath that they were all pointing to the Blackhawks being supported by a really good goaltending and. Uh, a really good power play. I mean, you look at the even strength numbers, the five-on-five five numbers. They, um, you know, the goals for, goals against, expected goals, all those, you know, all those areas. They've really, uh, they've, they've been among the league's worst. So, like, I think they've gotten better defensively a little bit from from a year ago, and you can see that in some of the numbers. But um, they're still towards the bottom of the league. Like, they have to, they have to really make some gains. And um, it, it's nice that they, you know, they can find a goalie and, and you know, to have a goalie kind of support them the same way that. Crawford and Leonard did last year and Crawford for multiple years, but they want to get back to being a defensive team who can, um, you know, not have to rely on a goalie so much in, in the power play. So I, I think that's one of the biggest areas of, 
of growth still. And, and you know, I, I would imagine the Blackhawks want to see some more of that this year because when, uh, you know, with Doc back and, and, and some of these guys progressing, like you'd like to see some um, growth in that from, from the beginning of the season. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I think a lot of this has been supported by by those areas, and, and and this is a little bit more probably what this team is right now. Last one for me, Scott. Uh, what did you make of the Vinny Hinnestroza acquisition? Is he just going to uh, you know fill in here and there for for like say Brandon Hagel while he's in COVID protocol? Yeah, you know from what I've heard, it, it's more of that they saw no downside to it. it. It adds a little bit of depth. You know, when you look at who they brought in as eleventh, twelve forwards. No one's really, um, no, no one's really stood out, and you know this gives them maybe a, an option there. And then, uh, you know, if, if they trade a Soderberg or a Yanmark, someone like that, they probably don't, uh, they probably don't bring a player back. So this gives them some some depth there too. So I, I don't think you know the Blackhawks are still set on giving Kurashev and Hagel all those guys when they're uh, when they're ready. They're going to give them their their ice time, and um, I don't think they brought in Heron Soros to be a you know kind of block anyone's path. So. Um, you know, the fact that they're able to trade them for basically nothing, obviously the Panthers are doing this throws a bit of a favor and, um, you know, take, you know, taking one of the Blackhawks lower end prospects. So, um, you know, he, he's cheap and, you know, maybe he has something, he obviously has something to prove. He's, he's going to be okay again next year. So maybe it makes sense as 11, 12 forward and, and it works. And if not, I don't, I don't think the Blackhawks have any obligation to play him if not. Scotty, you're showing your 200 foot game, being being a dad with one arm and uh, being a, a guest on the hockey show with the other. Nice job uh, this morning, and uh, I'll uh, be talking to you on Zoom uh, probably later on today. Sounds good. All right, thanks, man. Scott Powers from the Athletic joining us on the hockey show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill. Back with more after this. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Coors Light. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Final moments here on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. Blackhawks in Nashville against the team that is um, tied with them right now in the division but sits in that four seed. So a huge couple of points on the line this afternoon. Pre-game show at 1.30 on NBC Sports Chicago. You're uh, with Freddie Hubner coming up next. Uh, a little Mercedes talk, I'm going to guess. Wow, how about that? And what a great story. 28-year-old guy who just you know, grinding through the minors and through the Dominican leagues, and keep, you know, thinking he should give it up is no one's giving him the opportunity. He <laughs> take the opportunity last night, five for five, and you know, a historic historical game. I guess we also have to talk about Nagy and 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 Pace. They they talked again yesterday. I guess <laughs> collaboration is now connected, and I'm ready to lose my breakfast even thinking about it. But. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, examine the Bears' uh, conversation yesterday. We'll talk uh, lots of baseball. The Cubs, uh, as Fred said, hopefully their bats arrived from Arizona because they certainly weren't in evidence on Thursday. So a lot to talk about, and uh, we'll have some fun. Will Mercedes have a car deal by the time the White Sox are back on the south side? Like, that seems like somebody in the Chicagoland area, a Mercedes dealership, should already be contacting the White Sox trying to make that happen, don't you think? Oh, if I, the, the kid deserves it. The guy deserves it. Yeah, let's get that done. Yeah. Is, is there a card named Yerman? Yeah, right. <laughs> there might be. There might be. All right. Uh, it's you and Freddie coming up next till noon. Thanks, as always, for listening, calling in, 
We'll see you on the TV. We'll see you on the tube a little bit later on this afternoon. Blackhawks and Predators. Freddie and Brian are next. This is the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000.